Hi, family. Welcome to another episode of Normal with Autism. We are the podcast Walking with Faith on this side of the spectrum, and we want you to join us at the kitchen table to experience the joy in the journey. I'm Tara. I'm Sarah. <sighs> are you feeling joyful? We broke we broke Sarah before we started recording. <laughs> are you are you recovered? Now? I think I think I'm all right. Are you sure? No. All right. Well, thank you for listening and joining us today. I am so tired. Can we talk for just a second about that? Yeah. Because that'll help me. How tired are you? <sighs> I don't think we have a button, do we? No. He, he can't do it right now. This is how tired I am. We are, we are moving my house, and we are graduating Q, mm. and that's how tired I am. And then we're immediately going on vacation. And then we're, <laughs> yeah. That's Bye, a really, Keith. <laughs> that's a really, really good idea that we planned. That we planned it's at that way. two days before Father's Day. Tara's like, oh, no, we're going to be gone for Father's Day. And I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, she went into a whole a whole thing about that. That's okay, though. But that's how tired Happy I Father's am. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, early. Early. We're still in May. Mm-hmm. It's still May is Mental Health Month. Yes. Have you ever been so tired that <clears throat> you peed your pants on the toilet? Like you forgot <laughs> to pull your underwear down? <laughs> I have a feeling this is gonna, this is a story that you've experienced. Just that happened to me once. Did it? <laughs> no, I've never, I've never been that tired. Owen was a newborn. Oh, oh, so you were in like And I like was just the... like, I think I skipped a step. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. You're having the best of us. Do you know when we get a chance to go back out to LA? Because we're gonna take that trip again. Uh huh. We have a new list of people. We have to meet Ron Funches because I think the two of you together. I love him. It would almost be like magic. You think? Yes, because he could tell stories about his autistic son. Yes. You could trade back with Owen. I'm, I think there would just, it would almost be like the universe imploding at I mean, some point. Ron, you down? I'm down. I think if, yeah, if he's listening, we should make that happen. He's on um, Owen's all-time favorite show that we have to watch every single day. Nailed, Nailed it. it. Oh. He's a special guest judge. I love that. I love that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about why we came to the table tonight. We have a very special guest. She gets her NPR voice on when she's introducing someone. I do. I do. We have a very special guest that we're going to introduce. And so you don't want to know how my week was or anything? Oh, sorry. <clears throat> no, I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to care. It's fine. How, how was your week? Oh, it was fine. Thanks. How was yours? It's <laughs> great. I, we talked so much before we hit the record button and I feel like I heard and everything. There's nothing left. I know. I know but Okay. So I'm glad you had a good week. Thanks. All right. Back to our special guest. Our very special guest. Our I'm very so special excited. I, I want you to introduce her. Oh, okay. And then we'll kind of go from there. Oh, awesome. Okay, friends. Today, we are going to talk with my friend. How do you say your last name? It's Tennant, right? Tamasha Tennant. And I knew that the entire time. Ooh. She is hilarious. Gorgeous super smart she is on city council she's a realtor 
She, I don't even, I can't even keep up, guys. She does everything. And what I love about Tamasha is that Tamasha puts her money where her mouth is. And she goes and does the work and gets it done. And let me tell she does more in an, an hour than I can do in a week. It's amazing. But she is here to talk to us about mental health things. You are so kind. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Don't tell anyone I have a rep to protect. <laughs> Welcome. Yay. Yay. Thanks Hi. for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad. We've talked about having you on the show for so long, and I'm so glad that I finally got you here. Well, it, I was in the trunk of your car, so I didn't have very much choice. <laughs> I'm glad you found space amongst all the Goodwill bags. Well, <laughs> yeah. Is that where you found her at Goodwill? I mean, I do very well at Goodwill. Okay. I love a good, a good thrift haul. Do you? Yes. Are you, I don't do as well as Sarah. I was, I was going to say, are you just as much, do you get just as much excited and like post about it and stuff like that like she does? Or I don't post about it. Okay. It has, it's not you, that you should, level. You should it's start. I feel level. lonely. I will start. I feel like no one cares. I, I don't want you to be on an island. <laughs> okay, I will good. start. I'll have great stuff on that island, though. So <laughs> many vintage typewriters. So I'll just be writing notes to seagulls. Take this somewhere. <laughs> Can I ask? Let me ask. <laughs> as soon as, as soon as uh we all recover from that that was great i love oh, that one thank you did you workshop that one or did it just no, come it just up? came to me <laughs> just fantastic. Amazing. isn't that great i want to know how miss sarah how did you meet miss tamasha let me hear about this i don't really know we just became facebook friends one day so facebook facebook brought us together yeah facebook fate fate book oh, it was fate book i like it yeah tm but I'd seen so many of your posts and was just infatuated. It was probably unhealthy. Um, and then at Honeyfest 2019, I met you in person when you were walking up the sidewalk with your son. And I kind of freaked you out because, <laughs> you know, I don't really observe personal space very well. And, uh, yeah, it was history from there. It really was. I love it. So talk to us, um, Tamasha, a little bit, like introduce yourself. I mean, we've heard how fantastic Sarah thinks you are. So can you live up to that in your own personal Absolutely not. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I try. So um, I am Tamasha Tennant. Actually, my last name is hyphenated Kraus Tennant. I really did it just to piss off the in-laws, but that is a lot to write. Um, so my husband is from here, uh, the Lancaster area, and we decided to move here six years ago, um, largely because I am bipolar and we needed to have uh, a lot of family around us just in case something were to happen, he wouldn't be on his own with our three children. Okay. So... But like Sarah said, I'm involved in um, city council. It's my second term on Lithopolis City Council and Lithopolis Honeyfest and PTO. Um, anything and everything you can think of, I, I try to get involved in some way, shape, or form. Try to stay busy. So you got three kiddos? Three kids, yes. Two oh. boys and a girl. Oh, my gosh. And how old? 
Uh, our first one is 14, and then the middle one is 11, and then we got our girl who just turned seven. Oh. Yeah. So if we'd had our, our little girl first, she would have been an only child. Oh, I say that all the time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she's great. She's great. This is what you're supposed to say. She's great is what I'm going she's on record great. saying. So she's uh, is first grade, second grade? First grade. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So you, it's all coming all at oh, once. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. How have you guys done during quarantine and lockdown and all that wonderful good <laughs> absolutely no no really I, the, the first couple of months it was difficult because of the homeschooling and mm-hmm. I wasn't really um set up to be a homeschool kind of mom but we found our rhythm and it, it's been actually a really great experience to be home with the kids and find out the ins and outs of their personalities that they really don't show a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get to know all their friends who are constantly at our house. Do you have the good constantly snacks? Constantly at our house. Yes, we have the good snacks, but we also have a labeled pantry. Mm. Um, so the kids know um, which part of the pantry is for them, mm. and the rest of the pantry is for me and Dan. So I'm they like so the autonomy. Excited yeah. right now. When you said labeled pantry, I went, oh. It's like a little shiver runs through your body. I know. It's yeah. amazing. This is, this is your late 30s, guys. Yeah. Early 40s. <laughs> oh, this, this is what you get excited about. Where did you get, Where? just tell us briefly, we're just going to sidetrack for a minute. Where did you get the inspiration for the labeled pantry? I am OCD about being organized. Mm-hmm. So I label everything. Um, I'm on my sixth label maker. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I know. Okay. I know. Um, but actually last year is when I decided to label the pantry with what was okay for the neighborhood kids to have and what was not okay. Saving um, yourself so much time and energy. I'm such sure. A great idea. Yeah. I know. Cause yeah. you know, I hated taking stuff right out of their little hands. <laughs> But, you know, the good stuff that I did not have a coupon for, Yeah, um, I pay the mortgage, so that is mine. Right. So um, lots of tears, lots of tears. So then I just started to label everything. And you it's should worked. come with your own line of label makers. I should. Is that next on the horizon? I, I think maybe I will um, because I want the letters to be really, really big, mm. and I want it to have little um, little angry faces <laughs> so that they can be kind of passive-aggressive. I l- but also I funny. It. I dig it. You know? So, you know, it depends on the, the personality Listen, Shark of the Tank, we're coming for you. I'll be your brand yes. photographer. Yes. We'll make it work. <gasps> yes. I love it. There's a reason we keep Craig around every now and then. He's so good. <laughs> All right. Um, talk to me for a minute. I am very curious first about, in all the things you do, city council. I want to know what that's like. What can you say without being taken away by like secret service agents or something? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because they're very interested in what's happening in Lithopolis. Listen, have you ever driven through Lithopolis? There's two cops in there everywhere. (laughs) They are. They are all the time. I'm like, you were just there. How'd you get here? (laughs) Teleportation. Oh, for real. Yeah. For real. It's in their contract. (laughs) Um, So, city council, the first time um, that I. Uh, what got really interested in it, I had been attending the council meetings for 
for a, a few months and thought, wow, this is, this is legit. Uh, this is like what you see on, on TV. And, and I, al- I always thought that Lithopolis was, um, kind of, kind of like a, a Mayberry, mm-hmm. um, where everybody could be involved and, and everything. I just wasn't sure how it would go over if, uh, if I ran or if I express, expressed interest, um, because I am, you know, young, I'm going to call myself young, um, and, um, black and a woman, I identify as a woman. Um, I wasn't sure how that was going to go down in Lithopolis, but when they announced that, um, I had gotten the, the seat, people actually clapped in the, in the building that day. So, yeah. I can see by the smile on your face just how kind of cool that was. It was totally cool. Yeah. It was really cool. And I serve, um, I serve with some wonderful, wonderful people and some, uh, some, some really good ideas happen, uh, just as we're, we're kicking around, um, different, um, different topics and stuff. Um, and, it's cool to see those ideas that start as kind of a side remark actually come to fruition in a resolution or an ordinance. So it's great to actually be serving my community and making it better, literally, um, just by thinking about what ways we can move forward um, without forgetting uh, that we are a small village and, and we want to keep some of that village charm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, now I'm, I'm getting all like I, I can uh, see the stars in your eyes. Can you? Like, they match mine. Okay, I'm excited. Well, here, well, here's part of what I'm excited about. I mean, especially you sharing that experience, and I hope other people will hear it and kind of maybe take it to heart and walk away with it. Because um, in the last four years, five years, um, I have been trying to be more politically aware, more politically mm-hmm. active. Usually I'm doing that through online stuff or listening to different podcasts to try to educate myself about Mm -hmm. what's going on. And the big push is they're, they're saying like, be aware of your local stuff, be aware of your local stuff. And what's exciting is like, you're actually doing that. Mm -hmm. Like you're actually involved in that process. And that's where, you know, everybody seems to think like with obviously national issues are huge and that's where, you know, a lot of good change can Mm -hmm. happen. But I think what we've lost in the last couple of years is like the emphasis at the local level mm-hmm. and like understanding like locally, this is these smaller decisions impact the equity, the justice issues, that kind of thing every day that happen to people every day. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's exciting that you're that like I'm I'm an embodiment. You're an embodiment of what I'm hearing about and being educated about every day. So. But it's, it's also, thank you, but it's also really great to um, serve on a council where the mayor is completely on board, too, um, because when my fellow councilwoman Amber Daniels and I jointly sponsored the ordinance to declare uh, racism a public health crisis in Lithopolis, oh, and that was unanimously approved by council... Our mayor was behind it 100%. He was out there with the BLM marches. So um, a lot of stuff is happening in the world. And we, a lot of us leave Lithopolis 
in our in our smaller communities to go out to work or to do whatever it is we need to do. So when we come home to wherever it is that that we call home, we want to make sure that those places are safe for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's wonderful that I'm starting to see that here, and you don't have to be a a big city slicker to to make <laughs> some change. So it's great. Oh, I'm, oh my god! Oh, no, right? Okay, all right. Like the back of my head hurts from smiling. So I know. <laughs> I love this so much. Okay, so talk for a second. You know, these are some of the roles that you play, like mom and being on city council. Talk for a second. Um, just kind of like you know who you are, kind of like as a person. Like what's important to you, and um, almost like your soul versus your role. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Did you come up with that? No, I stole it from Molly. Oh. Okay. It, it does sound like a Mollyism, it actually. Does. Go ahead. Uh, my soul would be my family, my my um, my kids, and my husband. Uh, I do a lot of things in the community. Um, some of that is related to my being bipolar and just the the need for me to stay active and to stay engaged. Because if not, I will go down a rabbit hole and I will stay in the house for days on end and not open the windows or anything like that. So um, I, I want to do as much as I can to turn our uh, my kids' community around so that as biracial children, they won't have to deal with as much as we're dealing with right now. Um, I especially with having biracial children, it's important to me that um, my husband, who's white, that white people aren't seen as um, as villains and that black people aren't seen as felons and victims because I want my kids to be able to be proud of both sides of their heritage. So that's um, immensely important. Um, so uh, part of my role, though, is connected to my soul because I like to be visible. Though I'm not a people person whatsoever, um, I want to be visible because I want people to see that what they see on TV isn't a true reflection of what um, a black, tattooed, bipolar woman actually looks like and what that type of person can accomplish. So by being as visible as I can, as transparent as I can, hopefully it'll help to break down some of those stereotypes about mental health. Mm-hmm. That That's my thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> I just feel Sarah's like so I have like Looney Tune hard eyes. <laughs> oh God. She only gets these. I have to tell you, she only gets these every once in a while. It doesn't when happen often. Yeah. So you're like up there in the Aww. top five. Yeah. Of our guests that Rob we've Bell had. Rob Elton didn't get these. Oh, shucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Didn't. He got it from Tara, all right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. They're Thanks a so forceful much. hard eyes. <laughs> um, so talk a little bit about bipolar, because you've mentioned it now a couple of times. Maybe start with experiencing it, you know, like in kind of in the beginning or when you were younger. Yeah, so... Um, I wasn't diagnosed with bipolar until I was in my um, late 30s. And looking back on especially my college years, I can see 
how um, that bipolar manifested itself in um, in the things that I did. So, for instance, I would stay up for three days straight working on a paper or studying or doing whatever, and then I would crash for a couple of days. Um, so I thought that was just me being in, quote, unquote, the zone. Um, and it served me well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I did really well. I was, um, I was involved in a lot of things on campus. But those times that I crashed, I crashed really hard and in scary ways. So um, I just thought that was always part of my personality, that I was somebody who could operate very well in the zone, and then I'd need to recharge for a couple days. But then after um, we had had two children, uh, I started to um, have the zone in, in smaller spurts. So it wasn't three days. It was maybe two days. And then the recharge part was four days. And that doesn't really help you when you are a mother and um, a wife And at that time, I was a director of HR for an insurance company. So I had a lot on my plate. And I started to feel overwhelmed all the time. And I was never in the zone again. Um, So I was very, very fortunate that when I went to my general um, practitioner and was talking to her, I thought, because I needed something like Adderall to help me focus and to keep my energy up, um, to help me with the brain fog. She took a lot of time. She took over 40 minutes just to talk to me about my daily life and how I was feeling. And she told me in that session that she felt like I didn't need Adderall, that I needed to um, immediately go to a mental health facility and she she nailed it in in that one meeting. She said she thought that I had an anxiety disorder and that I was probably bipolar. So she gave me the option in that meeting, you can go right now on your own accord, or I can call an ambulance and have them take you. You probably want to go on your own accord. So I'm going to give you an hour to check in, and I'm going to call. And if you haven't checked in, I'm sending the police to your house. Wow. Wow. Good for her. Good for her, Yes. A lot of a lot of practitioners wouldn't have spent that amount of time. Um, so I'm so grateful to her uh, for actually digging in and not just giving me the Adderall that I was um, basically demanding mm-hmm. of her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely give props to her. So when you get that to that place where she sends you, your your doctor sends you, and you get in there from that point in terms of like diagnosis, um, what was that journey like for you? Uh, That was horrible. That was, it was horrible. Um, I think when people think about mental health facilities, they think about what they see on TV. Mm -hmm. And, um, the only thing I, I knew about those type of facilities was uh, girl interrupted, such an underrated movie it is amazing it's very underrated and you know it's brightly lit and the hallways are wide and you become best friends with your roommate and go on these little escapades at night it is not like that at all 
Um, at least in the, let me back up, at least in the facility that I was in, it was not like that at all. It, um, actually being in that facility still causes me anxiety to this day because I, I keep thinking if I slip up or if I go down a rabbit hole, I could be back in a place like that, that in my mind would, is worse than prison. But, um, in that facility to answer your question, um, you're, you're there. And then a psychiatrist comes in every two or three days and spends maybe 10 minutes with you and asks a couple questions and then says, all right, well, we're going to start you on this cocktail of, of meds to see if it has any kind of impact, um, which is, uh, horrible. Um, it, it really doesn't make sense to do it that way because they're giving you medication to see if it has any kind of um, effect on, on uh, how you feel and um, your level of anxiety and what your baseline is. But all of those things are kind of skewed when, when you, the patient, are living in a mental health facility. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at night I'm sleeping in, a, in the hallway in a chair with 10 other people males and females together, you're sleeping, you know, foot to foot with somebody who's about three feet away. Um, so it was hard not to have an, an anxious baseline. Um, so the, the diagnosis that he gave me was based on my general practitioner's recommendation. So I think he just hopped on board with that and ran with it. Um, and thank God that was the, the correct diagnosis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, I know from um, people who were also in that facility who um, didn't have any kind of referral or anything that they had been diagnosed and misdiagnosed for years. Um, and, and that's just, that's, that's horrible. That's a horrible cycle to get into. So I was really fortunate that I was diagnosed the right way at the very beginning. Okay. And in that experience, um, being hospitalized, um, and just kind of for, for general listeners, people who are, who maybe have never had this experience before that kind of thing, what we know today to be true is hospitalization is more about stabilization, Mm -hmm. right? It's not really, I think people tend to think like, oh, you'll go to the hospital and they're going to treat you and you're going to be better. And then you come out and you just kind of maintain, you know, Mm -hmm. what you're doing. And that's not what happens. No, it's for literally just to get you okay enough that you can be out in the community. And then you do, I, I would say, what's the hard work of maintaining your stabilization and kind of maintaining that treatment and finding good treatment, you're kind of just left to sometimes left to find good treatment on your own. Yep. What was your experience like in terms of like keeping that treatment and like going with forward with that? Um, well, fortunately this facility in as much as they, um, they lacked uh, some acuity when it, when it comes to servicing you for the first few weeks, after you get past the point where they think that you might be a danger to yourself or someone else, they start you with classes. So I had to take classes, just like college classes, uh, every day for six weeks. 
Um, I was able to go home. So I had to be at the facility at eight o'clock. I was in classes until five o'clock. But those classes were, um, were really good because they were things about what does it mean to have a, a mental illness? What's the stigma around mental illness? What, are, what could you uh, face once people know that you have it? How are you going to talk to your children and your family about it? What's actually happening in your brain? Um, what all these medications are are for and, and what they're trying to, to address. But those classes also addressed the hard work, the stuff that medications are never going to be able to touch. Um, so it, they were, uh, they were really, really intense, but those classes gave me the basis for being able to dig in and figure out what my roadmap needed to be for being, um, not only uh, somebody who could live with the illness, but somebody who could thrive with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I'm I'm curious about next. You talk about being a black woman mm-hmm. with bipolar, looking for that treatment, mm-hmm. getting that diagnosis, and one of the things that I think I've learned over this last year. Um, as a, a mental health professional is just how incredibly unaware I was of uh, black folks or the person of color experience in the mental health treatment mm-hmm. um, area and, and being able to get that help. And I'm curious as to what you likely experienced due to being a woman of color and being in that kind of intersectionality that we talk about sometimes on the show? Um, that's, that's a really good question um, because on the front end, um, a lot of black people won't seek the help. They, because, you know, stereotypically, uh, black people, especially black women, are to have a strong backbone and um, to have these matriarchal, um, overbearing, larger-than-life personalities that can withstand anything. I mean, even in literature, that's the character that you see, um, not uh, somebody who's struggling. So um, to admit that you are not that and that you are struggling, uh, it, it doesn't go over well within the black community so um, when I would talk to um, other, other black friends and um, black family members, it was, you, no, you just have to buck up. Just focus on the positive. Think about everything good that's happening in your life. Mental illness is not a black disease. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times I have heard that. Mental illness is not about black people. So on the front end, you, uh, I wasn't encouraged to, to seek help. Um, but then on the back end, it was really difficult um, after we moved to um, find a psychiatrist who um, kind of kind of believed me and didn't think that I was after medication. Mm. So there were times that I had to get Dan, my husband, who's white, to come with me to appointments so that I could kind of say, okay, well... 
here's a white guy and he can tell you that, that I'm not trying to get, you know, meds to, to sell to somebody. Um, so that, that was really, really difficult. And, uh, I think that, uh, if I had remained in, um, in Georgia in, in the Metro Atlanta area, it may not have been as difficult as it, as it was here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and when I say here, I don't mean Lithopolis. Um, we were at this time living uh, in Circleville, mm-hmm. um, so so there's there's difficulty um, surrounding uh, uh, seeking the help, and then afterwards in getting the help. And I think because of that difficulty, a lot of uh, Black people just give up, and and not just with mental health, anything that that might be seen as a quote unquote abnormal. So, um, I, I definitely saw it, um, with some of my friends who, um, have children who are autistic and how they were very reluctant to get any kind of help or, or to even ask the questions because as, as a, the black community, we want to be seen as, as strong and not needing help from anybody. So it's, it's still an, an uphill battle sometimes. You just said um, something that I haven't heard before, which is mental illness is not for black people. Mm-hmm. And um, I've never heard that before, but it's, it's really interesting. I just had like a eureka moment of things that, you know, I wonder if as a society when we, you know, look at certain actions of a person, you know, if we're more likely to look at a white person and say, oh, they must have mental illness, whereas with a black person, it's a personality flaw. Yeah. Or a moral one. Yeah. Or a moral one. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, that's something that's in the back of my mind all the time, Um, especially when you're in uh, predominantly... um, white community is that my reactions will represent the reaction. They will represent every black person on earth. Mm -hmm. So there will be times that I just want to go ballistic uh, because the situation deserves it. Uh, The situation deserves the seven response. Mm -hmm. And I have to give a response of a three because I don't want it to, to go down as um, uh, this ridiculous black woman, um, she had a, a mental breakdown or the angry like black that. woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and, and there's so many things. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That, that sucks. It's not fair. We're all do better. I I know. Be better. Mm-hmm. Be better. Yes. What I hear from you is what we've heard from Camille and what we've heard from Maria and several other people that we've come into contact with in terms of like doing the podcast and that kind of thing. And that is you're you're almost fighting two battles. You're fighting the battle in the outer community, right? So going to the psychiatrist and having to take your husband with you. Mm-hmm. Jesus, that's all I know. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Like that you have to take that extra step. Mm -hmm. And then in within your uh, inner community, in terms of 
um, being black and that experience of not being able to not be okay. Yeah. So you, you're, mm, you're holding it, you're holding up one wall this way. You've Plus gotta, just the wall of having a mental illness Yes. and trying to access services and trying to access therapies mm-hmm. and, you know, going back to like a hospitalization, that's if you can get a bed. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. if you can get someone to admit you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult. It is very, very difficult to get admitted mm-hmm. to a mental health care mm-hmm. facility. On your own. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even the last time Owen went to the hospital, he was sent directly from his psychiatrist's office. He had, he was suicidal. He had a plan. Um, she was like, you can take him or I'll call an ambulance. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get him some lunch. And she's like, no, go straight to the hospital or I'm going to call the police. And I was like, oh, okay, please mm-hmm. don't do that. And um, the psychiatrist came in and she asked him if he was suicidal. And he said, yes. And she said, do you have a plan? And he said, I could kill myself 10 different ways in this room and listed them. They put us in a, an observation room and uh, we went home a few hours later because they didn't have a bed. That's crazy. Yeah. And they're like, follow up with your therapist on Monday. And I was like, great. Yeah. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for the seven bags of Cheetos because mm-hmm. he couldn't have lunch. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's very, very difficult because the services aren't there. The providers aren't there. The beds aren't there. Our mental health care system is broken. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a child. It's worse as an adult. If you don't have insurance, if you don't have transportation, if you don't have, there's so many things that stand in the way. Mm-hmm. For sure. <gasps> and so, so what do you do? Uh, you have no options uh, as an adult. You know, if, if you're a parent and some mental illness uh, is genetic, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's something that, that I'm having to be on the lookout for. So do you just fight and fight and fight and fight and as an adult do you fight and fight and fight and fight or do you just give up yeah or do you turn to drugs and alcohol to self-medicate because you can't afford your medications and then what do you do you end up in prison yeah you end up with a record now you can't get a good job now you can't get health insurance to afford your medication like it's a whole cycle you guys please listen to what we're saying and just things it's it's um it's interesting that my um medication for um bipolar and for anxiety um my insurance pays very little of that but i i am type 2 diabetic i don't pay anything for my (laughs) for my metformin Mm. for diabetes so Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It it makes it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of of the bigger picture of like talking about what we need to do, um, I think one of the things is um, T. What you're telling us, like what you do, if you can get involved locally, get involved locally with um, different boards, with different councils. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be like a city council. Maybe you mm-hmm. get involved if you can um, at different meetings that are in your community. Um, it can be as simple as going to a school board meeting and advocating for mental health education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That makes a big, big difference. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And and we do know that the more that we talk about mental health and the more that we talk about our own experiences with it, our struggles with therapy, our struggles with getting a diagnosis, our struggles with having the right meds, the right support, we know that the stigma goes starts to go down. Mm-hmm. And that's very important. So even sharing like your story, you know, if if you're listening and maybe you have a mental illness or mental health issues, if you can share your story, if you're listening with someone else, that can be helpful to them. I I know that there's people who are going to listen to what you have to say today and it's going to be helpful. It's going to be something that they can relate to and say like, yeah, this is what I'm going through. And maybe it would help Mm -hmm. them in terms of trying to find the right treatment, the right help, the right meds for them, that kind of thing. Um, and the other thing we have to do is we have to push for universal health care. Absolutely. Just, it's, it just is at this point. Mm-hmm. I think we've, we know um, the history of like overall medical health treatment in this company or country isn't great. It's basically a company. It, yeah. It really is. We know that insurance wise, the insurance companies are profiting off of people being sick, either medically or mental health wise, that kind of thing. And it's at the point where we have to have universal health care. Like you have to be able to walk into a place and say like, this is what's going on with me. Mm-hmm. And someone say, great, follow me. You know, this is where we can help get you the best help you need. I saw a um, thing on TikTok. You know, I was going to talk about TikTok at some point. I was waiting for it. A comedian who was talking about mental, about healthcare in the United States. And he compared it to Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> if you run someone over in Grand Theft Auto, apparently, I don't play Grand Theft Auto, so this is what the guy said, mm-hmm. it will, like, take that person to the nearest hospital and, like, deduct from, like, your bank. And, and then they'll go home. Like, Grand Theft Auto has better health care than the United <laughs> States of America. Which is ridiculous. What? It is. It, it's ridiculous. It is. Something that's infuriating to me is that, uh, especially in the last few years, everybody has become very, very vocal about things, uh, issues that are are close to them, Um, you know, with with marches, with letter writing campaigns, with uh, with speaking out in public forums like a school board meeting for a lot of issues. Mental health is not one of those. Mm -hmm. And mental health is one of those issues that will absolutely impact generations. Mm -hmm. Because if you have a parent Mm -hmm. with mental health issues who cannot take care of those children, then those children become, uh, sometimes they sometimes go into the system. Or um, those parents who who can't hold a job uh, have to rely on public assistance or, or what have you. So it affects generation after generation after generation. And we need to start being in an uproar about about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I see marches and I hear speeches on so many things. Never do I hear anything about mental health. Yep. And that impacts not just one society, not one demographic, not one socioeconomic group. That impacts everybody without discrimination and it's about time that we start saying, this isn't good enough. We do hear about mental health um, when there's a white guy with a gun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not, we don't need gun control. We just need mental health care. We, mm-hmm. we don't want that either. Mm-hmm. But um, it's definitely not the guns. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So let's yeah. let's have a different conversation. And, and, not and to then mention, when we call people bipolar, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, right? Cindy flipped out. She must be bipolar. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, and if we fix mental health, we fix a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, if people are getting treatment instead of prison, that corrects you know the pr- school to prison pipeline or some of it at least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just there's so many things. If people can get Seroquel, they won't have to rely on cocaine. You know, there's just so many things that we could fix. I don't really know what cocaine does or if it's the same as carrot. It's, it's not the same thing. Whatever. <laughs> I just named a random drug. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, like, we can fix so many things by fixing this thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's do it, guys. Yep. We haven't seemed to get it right yet. So maybe... Has Kamala contacted you for a 2024 run? Just wondering. Yeah. You don't have to... I, I can't publicly say anything about that. <sighs> okay. All right. <laughs> I will say that I have a really nice suit in the car. I'll be your campaign manager. <laughs> I'll be your campaign photographer. <laughs> yep. We're, we're awesome. there. We're there supporting you 100% of the way. Yay! two votes <laughs> uh tamasha also um uses her campaign signs sometimes and makes funny signs of her yard it's the best my hoa has not forced me to take any of my signs down yet Good. and I'm if they ever surprised. do i'll have to talk with them because they I make my this. day i love this all right well this tamasha, is a great convo i know I- can you Yay. come back again and yes, talk to I'm us again? I'm actually not leaving. Okay. Your house great. smells really good. <laughs> and you have great, great snacks. Oh, thank you. I appreciate They're not that. labeled, though. They're not? Yet. No. Maybe you don't have yes. Tamasha's special label no. maker yet. That's how you can pay rent, is you could just label things. Label, organize. Yeah, you can help I'm me. I'm all about it. Okay. That works. Thank you, seriously, for coming this on great. here. And, thank you for having me. And sharing your experience. And... um. If you're listening and you've heard anything today that has been helpful to you, um, please reach out. Remember from our last episode, you know, we talked about you don't have to be on the edge to go get help. You Mm -hmm. just can need to want to talk to somebody. You can check out the links on our website. um, And that will. Normalwithautism.com. Yep. Normalwithautism.com. And that will give you some um, info in terms of uh, NAMI and also the National Institute of health and then the substance abuse um, link we have down there as well. And then locally here, if you're in Ohio, I um, encourage you to support your mental health, local mental health places. Um, we're all about the Loveland Foundation mm-hmm. um, and getting some um, word out about that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's you want to tell us real of. quick how oh, your yeah. um, we have a segment here that we like to call. Da, 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 da. Take no, no shit, shit, only, only vitamins. vitamins. <laughs> Where you tell us all the good things that are happening. So we're not ending on a bummer. Not that yeah. we are this time, but sometimes we do. At least one good thing. Yeah. So what's going on, man? Uh, my kids are doing fabulously well in school. All three have straight A's yeah. this, this last uh, this last term. Um, and uh, we our, our household is feeling better than we have felt in years. So awesome. my husband and I uh, are, are still dancing in Aww. the in the kitchen to 90 songs. I love and it. And having rap battles. It's <laughs> my yeah. favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming to your house. And, I know. and we got a barn door installed last week, people. <gasps> a barn door on our um, on the bedroom inside door. You're amazing. The house. I think that means I've made it. I think it has. When people, you know, do outside crap inside, mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that's mm-hmm. status right there, baby. Oh, 
That is. That is. Have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're celebrating the barn door. Barn door. Barn doors and rap battles. Okay. I dig it. Well, thanks again for uh, everybody listening. Uh, apparently, I'm not doing... Oh, I'm just taking shit. Apparently, do you want to? <laughs> do you want to share something? I don't have anything right well, now. You don't have anything? My brain is a foggy, foggy mess all right. from all the craziness. Do you have something? Um, wow. <laughs> I know. That's why I wanted to end it on the barn door. I was so excited about the Dang barn it, door. I always do this. I always hype it up and then fail. Okay. I'll think of something. Um. Um, what's on Netflix? Um, <laughs> um, Let's end it there. They used to say, I talked about Netflix. Here's to the complexity in our journeys, the joys and sorrows, the highs and lows. May those who observe us do so with compassion, especially for our amazing kiddos. Bye. 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 Go join a council of something. <laughs>